What's going on, everybody? Welcome in to another edition of Wavelengths. We have a very, very special guest today. I'm joined by Marcus Ogden. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing well. How about you, Stephen? I am not too bad. So for those of you that don't know, Marcus Ogden is, I just want to make sure I get this all right, former NFL player, Perfect. attender of Howard University, Correct. life coach, Correct. Motivational speaker. Correct. All around great guy. Correct. <laughs> Any job titles I missed? Uh, no, other than a best-selling author, but you know that's it's all good here, or there, man. <laughs> one thing I didn't mention, and I'm I'm not, I'm only going to ask you one question about him. You are brother of all-time great Jonathan Ogden, so I'm just going to get right into it. Okay. Growing up with someone like him. When did you know that, like, he's going to be a bad dude in the NFL? Well, he was six foot nine, Stephen, in the eighth grade. I'll never forget when all of the hogs from the Washington Redskins offensive line came out to practice because they heard about this kid who was a high school kid, freshman, who was bigger than all of them and would tower over them and they didn't believe it. So I remember Jim Lachey, George, Star George Stark, uh, Russ Graham, Jeff Bostick, uh, Fred Dean, all those guys came out to practice and they met him and they're like, wow, this kid is like humongous and he's only a freshman. So in high school. So kind of knowing that that was kind of the angle that we said, yep, this guy's going to be something special. So yeah, it started from a real young age with my brother. It, it must be Growing up in a house like that, I imagine it's just you two kind of just going back and forth constantly. And was it like a fight for everything in a way? <laughs> no, nah, Stephen, it's interesting because he's uh, almost he's six and a half years older than I am. So we didn't really have a lot of the brother sibling rivalry that a lot of kids have when they're a couple of years apart. And so like when I was in elementary school, he was in high school. When I got to high school, he was in college. When I, I'm sorry, well, actually when I was in uh, middle school now i got to high school as a junior he was drafted to the nfl by the ravens so you know having him around was pretty awesome i got a chance to learn from him watch him and when the ravens came to baltimore and he got drafted there and he was put there that was god saying okay marcus here's your opportunity to learn the game from a high level either you go learn it or you don't but there's your opportunity make a decision and that's what i did so I'm glad you brought up him being in Baltimore. Obviously, you got to link up with him there for a little bit. So what was that like getting to be on the same NFL team as your older sibling? Oh, it was amazing, man. Having a guy like that to help teach me and help guide me, uh, help me understand how to play the game. I was also offensive. I was also an offensive lineman to have him, you know, be able to help me, you know, learn the game, study the game, you know, mature myself. It was absolutely vital. So it was really, really awesome. And uh, again, I could never ask for anything better than uh, a guy like that to help me and be there for me. You also made a couple other stops along the way, Jacksonville, Buffalo, Tennessee. But what I think is the most interesting, you got to play American football in Europe. Mm -hmm. what, what was that experience like for you? <laughs> It was amazing. I lived in Scotland, downtown Glasgow, Stephen. It was amazing. Got a chance to see different cultures. I got a chance to see, uh, you know, William Wallace, who was, you know, the, the character from Braveheart, you know, 
see his sword and all the castles and sit in the King's Hall and the chair and see the crown jewels of Scotland and all the castles and all the fine, you know, art and the fine, you know, uh, just uh, the culture. They had a lot of great things. Like I went to old Scotland where they had like cobblestone streets and all kind of stuff. So for me, it was really great from a, uh, a cultural standpoint and historic standpoint. And I enjoyed the game, played the game with some great guys that were just great to play with. Uh, one of my coaches was uh, San Rotigliano, who used to be the head coach of the Browns for a while uh, back in the day. And it was just great to have some great coaches to help me really become a better athlete and a better person overall. So I love Scotland. So playing a game that is so popular here in the early 2000s, were they as understanding as you would think a European fan would be now back then? Honestly, because Scotland, you know, they, you know, Scottish is like speaking American. And so it's pretty much it's the same, you know, context, you know, for us in Scotland it was great. Now you go to Germany, like Cologne, Berlin, Dusseldorf, they didn't have the same experience. I think today it'd be a lot more great because a lot more Germans are watching football. A lot more Germans are speaking English. Same thing as Amsterdam, like, you know, in Amsterdam, you know, I forgot the, I forgot this is, this biggest Dutch is, is the main language in Amsterdam. So again, they didn't have a lot, and, and you know, there wasn't a lot of, I mean, there was TV and cable back then, but you didn't have like the NFL channel and the packages and all this stuff and playing games in Mexico, you know, London, all these different things. So I really feel today in certain teams, again, like the other teams in Germany, teams in Amsterdam, you know, they would really appreciate more. But we being in Scotland, where they loved football, they spoke the same language, they could understand things a little bit easier than some other fans in Europe. I had a fantastic experience in Scotland. So I don't know if it'd be any better today. If it would, I don't know if I could handle it because I just had a great time playing in Scotland. Great fans, you know, great city. Again, this just great people overall. Then little later on after Scotland and a couple more stops in the NFL, you did play in some indoor leagues. Is that football a lot different than the NFL? Oh, way different. You know, smaller field, less guys on the field. Uh, it's more close quarters. You don't have as much space as the outdoor game. And it's really designed to score and be high scoring and high pace and high action for the fans because that's what they're paying for. Like, you know, they're paying to see touchdowns and, you know, points scored and all that kind of stuff. So it was really, for me, I enjoyed playing because I was just, I was still in my late twenties and I had a back injury. I got in the NFL and I couldn't play at the high level anymore for offensive line. And, but when I was a D lineman in the in arena, I could, I could keep my weight down and I really enjoyed playing it in that, in that regard. Having to switch sides of the ball, did you feel like you had a little bit of an advantage? Yeah, because I understood off the line play and what to look for and how to time punches and how to, you know, how they were going to be setting. So it really made me a uh, much more well-rounded player playing on defensive line in the arena because my career at the NFL playing offensive line and being around my brother and all the other great offensive linemen, I learned what to look out for. So what's always interesting with all athletes and anybody who is, you know, very good in what they do, how old were you when you realized like, oh, I'm going to be in the NFL? 
honestly, man, I didn't realize that until going to my last year of college because I went to high school. I got one scholarship offer to Howard, played at Howard, and I really didn't know what to expect. I mean, I loved playing football at Howard. I loved education at Howard. But going into my last year, my fifth year, I registered my first year at Howard. Going to that last year, I was in some draft books, and people were kind of letting me know that if I had a good season and got into a, uh, an all-star game, went to the Hula Bowl, had a good showing there, I would have a chance to get drafted and play NFL and be an NFL offensive lineman. So when I realized that was an opportunity, that's what I did. And that's what I went after. It's interesting you said you didn't realize until your final year of college. Having redshirted your freshman year, how important do you think that is to people like you in, in similar situations where they might not be ready to play, you know, day one? It was everything because if I would have played as a true freshman, I would not have had that last year. And without that last year, I don't get drafted because I don't have the strength. I don't have the, uh, the, the ability to, to go to an all-star game and dominate and have a good show at the Hula Bowl with my coach, Mac Brown, and play against guys from Florida State, Rice, Texas, Alabama, all across the board, Chapel Hill, because that last year, I was able to really get stronger. Uh, and actually, in that last year, for the first time that I, can, well, I knew of, Howard actually had a strength coach come in, and we're still friends to this day. So I needed that red shirt year to really develop, even though I didn't like it because I was practicing all the stuff without, you know, and traveling the games and had no ever chance. I would just suit up and sit there on the sideline and watch and not, and not be you know, playing in the game. It was it was hard, and I was a starter all through college, sorry, all through high school, but I started as a redshirt freshman, and again, it was the best thing for me, Stephen, having that redshirt. Without that redshirt year, I'm not an NFL player. It it's is there like so you knew that if you didn't have that, you know, sitting out a year, as much as it pained you to not do it, you knew that it helped you. Do you think that's a problem with a lot of other college athletes that they're I don't want to call it ego, but they just think that they have to play to prove themselves to everybody. And yeah. some positions you can play right away. If you're a running back or if you're a, a linebacker or, you know, if you're, a, you know, a, a tip top corner or safety, like you're more prone to be able to play right away because the strength and guys you're playing against, you know, you have a chance to catch up in college a lot easier and a lot faster than you do with offensive line. Because offensive line, you have to do a lot more backpedaling and you have to do a lot more setting and all this type of stuff. And that's literally what, you know, you have to learn how to get ready for with the speed, the adjustment. And it's just a lot more of a physical demand on your body playing offensive line, especially offensive tackle and learning how to set and adjust in speed and the, the bull rush and all those things. So most linemen, offensive linemen for sure, need to redshirt some guys like my brother didn't need to redshirt you know it's very rare and far between but i think i would say about 90 percent of officer linemen should be redshirting where other positions like again running back uh you know like i said you know maybe like a, a safety you know maybe a wide receiver you know they're a lot less likely to redshirt because you know the the, the hits and the strength they need to have is not as uh is not as, as high level as it comes when it comes to you know offensive line so I do want to transition to what you've done after your playing career, which is just as interesting as your playing career. Right now in the NFL, you have a favorite guy who's on an offensive line? 
Uh, I like Orlando Brown Jr. You know, he was a Raven, now he's a Chief. You know, his dad was one of my teammates, you know, great guy. And I'm glad to see him now having a chance to play left tackle like he's always wanted to uh, in Kansas City. And we'll see how he does. It, it, it's interesting because, you know, you and your brother are in the NFL. And then that was crazy. People that you played with, their kids are in the NFL. How does yep. that kind of make you feel? I mean, it makes me feel older, realizing that, you know, but that's, you know, I'm blessed to still be around and, and seeing it, you know, above ground. But it does. I mean, it makes you get, I mean, you seem older. I mean, guys I've played against like Sam Adams, who are, you know, are, you know are, I'm sorry, Sam Madison was a corner in the NFL. Um, you know, I saw where uh, Joe Horn has a son in the NFL. Um, you know, guys like uh, Alex Molden, who's someone's a third round draft pick to the, to the Titans this year, you know, out of Washington, you know, so it, it's, it's, it's good. Like Orlando Brown was a, you know, was a teammate of mine. His son's been in the league for a while. So, I mean, it's great to see though, you know, a lot of times, you know, and I knew Orlando Brown from a very young age and to see guys like him and other players, sons, the guys I play against, you know, getting in the NFL and blossoming under what they learned from their dads and all that. It's, it's a great thing to see. So you have really kind of been a poster child for, you know, after playing and being, you know, at the top of your game to being equally as successful in a different field. So for players that are near that spot in their career, what do you have to say to them about transitioning from, you know, the lights and cameras of the NFL to almost a regular life? Three things they need to do. One, identify their three biggest strengths. Number two, lean on your inner circle and start letting them know what you want to do. And three, just get out there and take action. Like whatever you want to do, find something that you're passionate about and take action doing it. Don't wait like I did. You know, again, I didn't suck. I waited on purpose. I had a six-month law of depression, anxiety, not knowing what to do next. I try to tell as many players as I can, the more you know about what you want to do and start setting yourself up, the better off you're going to be. You mentioned before, best-selling author, you've won a bunch of business awards. I know you're probably going to say it's not about that, but winning those and getting recognition for the great work you do, it has to, you know, make you feel good. Oh, absolutely. It makes me feel good that people recognize what our brand does to help others as a consultant, as a coach, as a speaker, you know, as an author. And, you know, our brand has worked hard to really put into our, a position where we need to be to help others be successful. That's what it's really all about at the end of the day, Stephen. So we, we were able to cover a lot. We talked about, you know, growing up with a future Hall of Famer, playing at Howard, playing in the NFL, going to Scotland, working in business. What does Marcus Ogden have next? Well, what we're doing right now is we have a podcast. It's called The Lev and Marcus Show, and we're doing exceptionally well. It's a business, mindset, entrepreneurship, sports-based podcast, talking to great former NFL players, current guys, business owners, business executives, really focusing on topics that help people be successful, mindset, business tactics, to tactical action steps, strategic planning, et cetera. And we're having a lot of fun doing it. And we enjoy helping people really push forward by giving them content and knowledge, Stephen, to help them become successful. Like I said, an incredible career you had. You played, you know, a bunch of different places, two different countries, a lot of, t a lot of good teams. 
you've transitioned it into a really inspiring, you know, business career. Like you said, you got your, you got your hat on in a lot of different fields. So just keep it up and anything else you want to say for the people before you go. I just have one final quote. Discipline is the bridge between goals and accomplishments. Jim Rohn, who's Tony Robbins, the famous speaker's teacher. If you want to be successful turning your goals, which are things you want to do, into accomplishments, things you have completed, discipline is the bridge to get you there. Once again, a big thank you to Marcus Ogden. Go check out everything he's doing. It's almost surprising if you like don't see his name. You know, he's got his podcast. He's big on Instagram. So a big thanks for the time, sir. I hope you stay well and best of luck with everything. Have a great day, Steve. Thanks for having me on, my friend.